Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, we welcome you to episode number 31 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson and Aaron Johnson here with you this week, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. So folks, buckle up, get ready, because this is going to be an eventful pod, right? Aaron, we have a big story to get into with Reggie Jackson, right? And and I'll let you get into that in a little bit. We have a lot to talk about there. But looking at the NBA scene, Jimmy Butler has requested a trade from Minnesota. And it's kind of funny because Jimmy Butler wanted out of Chicago and then the Timberwolves literally just brought Chicago back to him. Tom Thibodeau, D. Rose, uh, and the list Taj goes Gibson, on. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Gibson was the guy. I'm like, damn it, what's his name? It's not Boozer, but it's Gibson. Right. So they bring that whole gang back together. And um, per Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, says Minnesota's Jimmy Butler has three preferred destinations for a trade. They're the Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Clippers, and the New York Knicks. They have max cap space to sign Jimmy Butler after this season. Those are his preferred destinations. And interesting to see Jimmy Butler wants out of Minnesota and maybe out of the West if he doesn't go to L.A., though he does prefer the Clippers. If he ends up with the Knicks or the Nets, that thing could bring another all-star to the East as well. So a lot of storylines with this, Aaron. I'm just saying that, and I have to get this out of the way now before we get into serious discussion about it, but the talk about Jimmy Butler is, you know, he wants to go win. He wants to go play with guys that care. And he wants to put himself in a position to compete. And these teams he wants to go to, the Nats, the Knicks, the Clippers. I mean, hey, the Pistons are in a better position than any of those teams to win ball games This year, yes. Yeah. But if you're Jimmy Butler, and you could go play with Porzingis... And who's, who's the young guy? Ryan was just talking about him on the pod. Kevin some, Knox? Yeah, Frank Kevin Nick, Knox. Nicolina? Yeah. You go play with Knox, Nicolina, Porzingis when he's healthy. Bring Jimmy Butler there. You got Trey Burke, who maybe is looking like the Trey Burke of you know his college hey, but, days. But the Knicks got to give something up to get him. True. And you might lose a Kevin Knox in that sort of trade. You might lose a Frank well, Nicolina. I was going to say the Knicks wouldn't be dumb enough to do that, but it's the Knicks. So I'm not going to say that they wouldn't be dumb enough to give up one of their key future pieces for Jimmy Butler. But it's kind of interesting of what the market would be for Jimmy Butler. Like, what kind it's, of trade value? Because he's a valuable piece, no doubt about it. But how much could he really haul in? Well, he said those are the, only, these, these are, those are the teams that he'll consider signing an extension with. If he gets traded to them. And Brooklyn's definitely an interesting scenario because Sean Marks, Kenny Atkinson, the two guys at the helm of that organization have done a great job rebuilding the franchise. D'Angelo Russell is there. 
He's got a lot of potential. He just needs to stay healthy. They have guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, um, Jarrett Allen, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. There's some talent on that roster, Karis LeVert. But they're not going to win ballgames this year. I wrote a preview piece for their season for DefPen.com. And, look, I'm a big fan of the way the Nets are trending. But they're not winning ballgames yet. And if Jimmy Butler wants to go to a team that's going to win, it's not the Nets. And it's not the Nets next year either, unless the Nets can get Butler and then use the rest of their cap space to sign another big name in free agency, which is the talk. But that's always the talk for teams with cap space. The Lakers are supposed to sign superstar after superstar every single year. But do they? No. Right? So you can say, oh, the Nets got all this cap space. They're in the perfect position to strike in free agency. And Remember the guy. last time the Nets had a lot of cap space and they went out and they made well, a big splash? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was not... That was, Ow, ow, just don't even think about Talk about setting a franchise back like 15 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was... But like, So the Nets, they're not really an applicable team for Mm -hmm. this. I think, and Woj reported that the Clippers are the team Butler most prefers. I guess if he's got to go to one of those teams, the Clippers would be the best option. It's obvious he wants to go to a big market. It's obvious that this is a financial move. It's not necessarily about winning ball games, despite what he said in the past. Because beyond the point of being in a position to get a max contract, and those are teams that have that kind of money, you go to a city like Brooklyn, you go to New York, you go to L.A., and the 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 deals follow you, right? Different TV deals, different advertising deals, sponsorships, all of that follows you. Well, the thing is, the Clippers are going to have to give up guys that will help their team if they want to win ball games. I mean, a guy like Tobias Harris, who's probably their best player right now, could very well get dealt in the trade. But if you're the Clippers and you have a chance to have Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, oh, for the Clippers, it's a no-brainer. If they have to go Tobias Harris. And probably a young piece. Um, you know, it could be a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander. You know, they might have to package those two together. Those are two good assets. But if you want to get a superstar in this league and Jimmy Butler's saying that he'll sign with you long term, you make that trade because Jimmy Butler's a superstar. Like Jimmy Butler's a top two way player in this league. And there's that Aurora Aurora I never can say that word right. Aurora Aurora around the Los Angeles Clippers. That right now, remember Kawhi Leonard wanted to, you know, had an interest in going there. There are people interested in that organization, so the thought process has to be that they will be a draw for free agents. So the Clippers are probably the best option out of those three teams. But if Jimmy Butler really wanted to go win ball games, he would not be headed to any of those three franchises. I, you know, if I'm Jimmy Butler, and obviously he doesn't like, I mean, there's total, there has to be a dissension between him and Tom Thibodeau. I think not only is there a dissension between those two, who were the main reason that Minnesota came together, because Butler loved playing with Thibs, and they really liked each other, and they gelled, but there's also got to be dissension between... This is this is a, uh, an every pod occurrence. Your phone's going off over there. Dude, I'm just, just popular. I'm just popular, okay? That's all I can say. But Turn, put the phone on silent. This, folks, it's almost like you know you got It's like when you go into you know big uh, assembly or you go into church each week, and they're like, "Please silence your phone." Okay, this is listen, what we're gonna have listen. to do going into the pot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, you know, they ask in church, "Is that God calling?" <laughs> All right. So you go back to this dissension within the Timberwolves, and I don't think it just start, starts and ends with Thibs. 
he's got to have issues with Andrew Wiggins, who has been not good since getting a max extension because he promised he would get better. I mean, that's, come on, it's one of the worst contracts in the league. It's mm-hmm. max extension and one of the richest deals in the entire NBA. He's got to be upset with Carl Anthony Towns and the way that Carl Anthony Towns plays because Towns doesn't play a lick of defense nor act like he cares whatsoever. And, you know, look, Thibs had his guys in in Chicago that he's bringing to Minnesota. And, yeah, they play hard. They like playing for Thibs. It's it's the Timberwolves, as they say. You're getting Luol Deng, hard worker. You have Todd Gibson, an underrated big. You bring back Derrick Rose. These guys are all part of that really good Chicago Bulls team. But you're five, six years and healthy legs away from that being the Chicago Bulls. You know, you can try to form that all together again. But Derrick Rose has got countless knee surgeries mm-hmm. and leg surgeries and whatever. Tosh Gibson's only getting older, and Luol Dang's only getting older. You know, these are guys that just aren't what they once were, and Jimmy Butler has to know that what's going on is kind of lunacy because these are not guys that are going to win them ballgames besides Tosh Gibson. And he's got to be like, I don't want to be a part of this BS again. If we weren't good enough to do it back then, we're not going to be able to do it now with a small forward that doesn't, that has not gotten better, and a center that does not care to play on one side of the floor. Mm-hmm. And a very, very average point guard in Jeff Teague. Yeah, so definitely something to follow out of the NBA again. Jimmy Butler trying to get the hell out of Minnesota. He wants to get out of the cold. He wants to brace for a warmer winter. Come to Detroit. That's all I'm saying. Well, you, Jimmy Butler, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, big three in the East. But you're going to have to give up pieces that can help. Hey, Reggie Jackson, teams. Stanley Johnson, oh, yeah. well, another Red- first-round pick. We'll make it work. A big three, Jimmy Butler, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond. Count me in. Come on. Well, oh, question really quickly. Just in on the spot. If he had to be involved in the package, would you give up Luke Kennard for Jimmy Butler? No guarantee that Butler signs an extension. So you're playing with maybe he leaves after a year. Would you give up Luke Kennard for him? Yes. Okay. I would too. Yes, I would. I would too. When you have the chance to go and actually get a superstar. Oh, at shots Tom at Blake. Wow, shots at, at Tom Gores at Blake Griffin. Wow. Then you go get a superstar. That's not a diss on Blake. That's a diss on Tom Gores. Okay. Moving on. The Pistons have bigger issues, I think, to worry about right now. And I'm going to let you kind of set the scene on this, but the long story short. Reggie Jackson, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast throughout the offseason since Aaron and Ryan and I have really taken over this podcast and led this charge on We've talked so much about Reggie Jackson and the importance of his health and the importance of his contributions. And there's a problem here. Yeah, some concerns coming from an article from Keith Langlois of Pistons.com and a piece he released yesterday. He talked about Reggie Jackson's offseason, which detailed how Jackson has been off the court since an ankle injury lapping over from last season has consistently been nagging for, for to Jackson. Jackson has gone, undergone a mi- minor procedure from the injury and is unsure if he will participate in training camp next week. That's a problem because if you're the Pistons and we've talked about it and you've talked about it, This team, even though I'm not sure how big of a believer I am in Reggie Jackson, you look at the numbers and they don't lie. This is a better team when Reggie Jackson is on the floor. 
I mean, even last year, the Pistons, when Reggie Jackson came back and Reggie and Blake played together, they won six out of eight games. This is a team that was, what, five games over 500 before he got hurt in December? This is a team that statistically is better when a healthy Reggie Jackson is on the floor. And now that you don't have him, or you don't know what you're going to get out of him, that's a problem. When you don't have him, you're not as good of a team. And he had a minor procedure this offseason. They say it's minor, but you never know about that kind of stuff either, Aaron. This this is really concerning because Reggie Jackson means so much to this team. Whether you think he's anything more than an average point guard or not, he means a lot to this franchise because for the same reasons that you mentioned, Detroit is better with him. They are a better team with him. And him being hurt really messes up the plans for this team. And I talked about it when the Pistons signed Jose Calderon. That's your Reggie Jackson injury insurance. Great. We're probably going to see that in the preseason. Because Jackson will probably be healthy by the regular season. But he's going to miss training camp, it sounds like. And it sounds like he can miss some preseason action. So you're going to see just how good Jose Calderon, 40-year-old Jose Calderon is. You're going to see it right off the bat. And that should be really concerning. If Jackson's already starting off the year injured, Detroit's got to find a way to get another point guard. Or Luke Kennard's got to develop the ability to play point guard. they got to figure out some way to do it. Because Reggie Jackson means so much to this team, and they're not deep enough to lose him and, and roll with Jose Calderon and Smith. Now, that being said, Bruce Brown at point guard, buy your stock now. The kid is going to be a good ball player. If there's one guy that I've looked at enough film, and if he gets the opportunity, Bruce Brown will succeed in this league. And I think that could be a really good, as sucky as it sounds, this could be the right opportunity for Bruce Brown to work his way into the rotation. If he has a strong training camp, if he looks good in the first few preseason games, because I hope, I hope Dwayne Casey's like, hey, Bruce, we're going to try you out at point guard. We're going to spot you some minutes where Reggie would play or where Ish would play. We want to see what you got. We want to give you and Luke Kennard some minutes to see what kind of ability you have at that spot. And Bruce Brown is a guy that will handle those point guard duties just fine. Now, back to Reggie Jackson, though. I want to take this with some sort of grain of salt because it's a new training staff. I think they can work with Reggie Jackson much better than anything John Bishop did because I'm not sure John Bishop did much right in his tenure with Detroit. And you got to think that Detroit is better equipped to be without Jackson based off of what their lineup will look like without him. Blake Griffin can handle playmaking duties. Luke Kennard can handle playmaking duties. Whether you have Ishmith or Bruce Brown, those guys can handle playmaking duties. So there are options to survive without Jackson. But Detroit can't reach their peak without Reggie Jackson. That's the position they're in with this situation. And honestly, it really sucks. Because this season, right now, is already tainted. Because Reggie Jackson already before training camp has even begun, is hurt. And that has been his problem his entire tenure in Detroit. He has not been able to stay healthy, and Reggie Jackson is making big boy money, 
and he's been off the court, so this money's just going into guys that aren't playing. Couple things. There's a few angles I want to take this. First, one positive that you read in that article is that Reggie Jackson has had the time to talk a lot with Dwayne Casey to kind of build that coach-point guard relationship, to bounce ideas off each other, to kind of learn the way Dwayne Casey's mind works and for Coach Casey to learn the way that Reggie Jackson's mind works because you have to be on the same page or you at a minimum have to know how each other operate because the point guard is the main person a coach will communicate with. Reggie Jackson sets the tone on the floor and Dwayne Casey sets the tone in the locker room. And Reggie Jackson has to help Casey manage that locker room tone. Casey has to help Reggie Jackson manage the the on-the-court tone. But they have to work together. So I think a positive is that they have been able to spend a lot of time kind of getting to know each other, getting to know each other's styles, getting to know the differences between what Stan Van Gundy did from an offensive standpoint and what Dwayne Casey wants to do from an offensive standpoint. Maybe Reggie Jackson being able to explain, this is something we've done well and we'd like to incorporate. This is something that I don't think we do as well, and maybe we need to try something different. Maybe this is the stuff that's worked. This is the stuff that hasn't worked. When you were scouting the Pistons to play a game versus us, what was your scouting report? What were you saying about us? What was your plan to stop us? And what do we need to do to change that? That's a really that? good point. That's a really good point right there. What were you doing to stop us? I think I I, I agree that there that's a positive, unfortunately, to take away from this article. As bad as this injury is, that is a positive to take away from it. And it's really good that Jackson just hasn't been with the team. You know, he's he's there. He's talking with the team. He's with Coach Casey. It's not like he's just like, all right, I'm hurt. I'm going to go back to L.A. or I'm, I'm just going to go chill. You know, I'll see you guys when I'm healthy. He's there. He's still with the team. He's around the team, which is good for building chemistry. And like you said, he's talking with Dwayne Casey. He's game planning with Dwayne Casey. And that's going to – that's going. you're going to see that when Jackson is actually able to play. They're going to be on the same page. When I look at what Dwayne Casey did with Kyle Lowry – Obviously, Reggie Jackson's not as good as Kyle Lowry, right? But you have to think that Dwayne Casey can kind of help Reggie Jackson not necessarily develop, because Jackson kind of is what he is at this point, but maybe mature his game, mm-hmm. right? I think there's still room and a sense to grow with Jackson, and I think Dwayne Casey, the way Dwayne Casey coaches, will help Jackson do so. I think the biggest thing with Reggie Jackson is decision-making. I don't trust Reggie Jackson making decisions, especially in the fourth quarter. Kind of going back to that conversation we had a couple weeks ago on the pod about who you give it to late in the fourth. Last I week. It was last was week. Was it last come week? Come on. Can you remember? The like, week's all come on. Jump. Listen, we're not all as young as you with a fresh mind. You're like, you're like two, three years older than me. Are you kidding me? Three. 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 That's not a lot, baby. You are in your 20s. But, you know, like my wee age is like 60 years old. <laughs> so... <laughs> but anyways, um, I don't trust Reggie Jackson in the fourth quarter. I don't trust him making decisions. I don't trust that he's not going to pull up for an ill-advised two. I don't trust that on a lob pass he's not going to throw it away. I don't trust that he's not going to you know or he's not going to miss the open man in the corner, and instead he's going to try to force the issue and drive it to the rim. I don't trust him. I think that. 
and you talk about maturing his game, that is the biggest way he can grow. Knowing the right time to attack, knowing the right time to distribute, and the right time to pull up. And maybe not taking those long twos. That is the least valuable shot in basketball at any level. Get analytical with me. That is the least valuable shot. Because when you're one or two steps inside that three-point line, oftentimes where Reggie would pull up from, what is the point of taking an 18-19 foot two-point shot? Either take two steps back and try for three points, because you make more three-pointers to score more points, chances are you win more games. Oh, really? Or get to the rim, put yourself in a position to lob to Andre, kick to the corner, maybe a strong finish, maybe you blow by a defender, or you draw an and one. But these long twos, that is the most annoying part of Reggie Jackson's game. So decision-making is the biggest way that he can grow. And hopefully, Dwayne Casey can have some effect on that. Okay, so I'm going to pose a question. Scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very concerning, 1 being uh, no big deal. How? Where Where are you at on the concerning Nine. meter? 9. 9. Wow. He hasn't played all offseason. Here, this is this was the next angle I wanted to go in. You're getting good at this. Because you you just gave me a nice little lead in. You're getting good. And that was indirect, folks. Okay? I read this article. And you know what my mind went back to? It was that Blake Griffin interview that he did on a podcast. Was that C.J. McCollum's podcast? It was. The pull-up pod with C.J. McCollum. And he talked about how this offseason... He didn't spend it rehabbing like he had the previous two. He spent it growing his game. Reggie Jackson, who missed 30 games last year, did not not get to pick up a basketball this offseason. His his leg never felt right. He has not actively been shooting the ball, running, Planting, I don't know. Cutting. Maybe he's doing like some shooting and stuff like that, but it, it, he's definitely but not, not been doing anything like full force. Sure. And even when you're shooting, anytime you've got a leg issue, you're never putting an exact amount of pressure you put on in a game. You know, you, you're never doing things at 100%. And then when you're back to putting a full pressure on, does that change your shot? Does that change your rhythm? Does that change the elevation of your release? Right? So he could be shooting. And from a form standpoint, keeping a form intact. But going back to putting full pressure on his knees, his ankles, that could change things. And if he's never felt, if he hasn't felt right all summer, and there was an allude, something alluded to in that article, they said that he hasn't been able to pick up a basketball. That doesn't mean maybe he has not at all, but maybe he spent 10% at the most. Uh, compared or relative to a previous year's offseason, working out, growing his game. He's had no time to grow his game, and he has not had an appropriate time to even rehab from his game. Okay, so I'm going to go with a six. I'm going to go with a six because you honestly talked me down a few pegs just from us talking about him being able to work with Dwayne Casey off the court. Um, And my other reasoning is because I really do believe that either – or both of Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown will rise as a, uh, as a capable point guard. You're a Pistons optimist, and listen, that's what you'll always be, and that's okay. Well, no, 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 no. let that's me finish. Okay. Let me finish. Reggie Jackson's also going to be back before the season. Like, is he? But but when he hasn't had that time to rehab, 
And and maybe they say maybe the new you know wellness team says hey, right now he's, he's not ready. Right now he's day to day. He's gonna be day to day for what is it? A month? I mean, they they play October seventeenth. Sure, that's a little less than a month. That's like twenty seven days. Is he gonna be? Is he gonna be day to day for twenty seven days? Sure, but he's also not been able to work out for what a hundred and seven days, more, less. When did the season end for the Pistons? When did his season end? Mid-April. Mid-April, right? May, June, July, August, September. Between the middle of April to now, five months, right? Yeah. Five months yeah. times 30 days. Okay, you're acting so like I says, know how to do math. Right. So, like, let's not do that. I don't know how to do math. Five. I'm going to fail math. Except if you saw if you saw my tweet... From the other day, in the, with that math, cl- math class I'm taking, and the Pistons question, I mean, come on. You're looking at ballpark 150 days since Reggie Jackson's been in a full-strength workout. That is concerning. That's 150 concerning. days. You're telling me you're only at I think, six? And I've talked about this before on a podcast, on the podcast, but this is probably going to be Reggie Jackson's least strenuous season when it comes to ball-handling duties. Because of Luke Kennard, because of Blake Griffin, because of Andre Drummond. Like, all those guys can handle the basketball and initiate the offense. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the least strenuous season for Reggie Jackson, which I guess is another, like, kind of, like, positive or, like, good takeaway, I guess, in this case for sure. So, my opinion, Pistons fans, you have a reason to be worried. Oh, no, yeah, yeah be worried. Like, this like, is bad. But. You, you legitimately should be concerned about your basketball team. Yeah, and let's just be fair here. There is not a good backup option, a solidified backup option that you can give it a few on. weeks. Give it a few weeks. Yeah, well, we can also give Stanley Johnson five more years, hey, but that's another wow. conversation. Come on, I'm not telling you it can't work. Come on. I'm just telling you, I am not going to sit here and tell and you know drool out of my mouth because of Bruce Brown's summer league performance. Jesus, Aaron. Turn your ringer off! That one came on the computer. I don't even know how to do that. Gosh. Now God's emailing you. (laughs) But Pistons fans, seriously. Your basketball team has failed you in putting together a reliable backup point guard option. Maybe Bruce Brown works out. Smith is a reliable backup point guard option. They just don't have a a good enough starter and backup combination for when Reggie Jackson goes down. Backup option to when Reggie's out. There you go. And knowing, Do it right. And knowing that that, with his recent history, is likely for him to miss some sort of games, knowing that that's a high possibility, they failed. Mm-hmm. They failed you. I agree. So, something to be worried about. Something that frustrates me as a Pistons fan. And something that obviously frustrates Aaron as well. And hopefully the Bruce Braun kid can work out. Oh, yeah, he will. I, Hopefully Luke Kennard, maybe he could get some touches of point guard. He could buy work your stock in those two players right now. I was watching some film on Luke Kennard from this offseason. He's looking good. He was playing against a lot of NBA-level players, um, a lot of NBA competition. He was looking good. Yeah, And he's handling the ball a lot, too. I'll tell you what, I just, in moving on from this, but the last point I'll make, I don't trust summer basketball. It's so different from in-season basketball. The style of play, the competitive level, the game day preparation, it's all very different. should have seen Stanley Johnson's video from the other day. 
Oh, he was looking good. Well, I guess, uh, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll give him five more years. Okay. So, we talked a lot about this Reggie issue, Aaron, and it's a big deal. Pistons fans have a real reason to be concerned. This is a problem for your basketball team. We don't know if Reggie Jackson will be ready to go come the opener. We don't know if Reggie Jackson will suffer setbacks. Maybe this is an article that, you know, inadvertently scares Pistons fans, but it's more supposed to highlight that though he hasn't been able to work out, Reggie is on his way back. Point is, Reggie hasn't played all summer. Reggie hasn't worked out all summer. You're at ballpark 150 days since he has gone to a full-strength workout. That's a problem. You have a reason to be worried. But aside from that, as we enter training camp now, and we finally are getting close to the beginning of the season, what is the biggest story heading into training camp? Again, with the Reggie Jackson issue aside. Yeah, so I think you could obviously go with the, the I guess, cliche answer of, the wing rotation, and maybe you want to hit on that, so I'll leave that for you. The way I'm going to go is, does Dwayne Casey's offense fit this Pistons team? That is the biggest storyline for me, because you're bringing in a brand new coach on a team that has high expectations, and you're expecting to win now. Has Dwayne Casey constructed an offense that is going to maximize Blake Griffin, it's going to maximize Andre Drummond, is going to help grow Luke Kennard and Stanley Johnson into better players, is going to fit Reggie Jackson whenever he plays. Has he put together the right formula for this offense to click and be a good offense? That's my. That's what I think is the biggest storyline because Casey, in his beginning in Toronto, kind of got criticized for his older style offense, his slower pace style offense. But last year, they were a much better team because they adapted on the offensive side of the floor. So, does he carry over those adaptations to the Pistons? Does he can he do that with a 4 and 5 as his two best guys rather than a 1 and 2 as his two best guys? I'm interested to see how that works out. Training camp's going to tell a lot about that. You know, I have actually and wing depth is important and it's a good take, but I I have a different approach. And it kind of piggybacks off what you said, but it's not the same thing. The rumor was, and the belief was, that Pistons players pretty much gave up on Stan Van Gundy down the stretch. They stopped playing hard for him. They didn't want to play for him. They didn't like his his style of maybe being too hard on players. He was a little too old school. I just want to know how, from a personal personality, personnel standpoint, how did the players respond to Dwayne Casey and this essentially new front office. Oh, yeah. It's it's a brand new front it's, office. It's From a lot of new faces. Head coach to assistant coach to medical staff to and front off, like like your GM, your president of basketball and, ops. It's all and, new. And, and, and how do the players respond? Does Dwayne Casey carry a chip on his shoulder from how things went down in Toronto? I think he absolutely does. But maybe, maybe he does. But do the players sure. carry that chip? Sure. Do the players buy into that? Does this team have something more to play for than they were even a part of, but now they are? Do they have that? I think that is the storyline to watch, and it may not be something you find out in training camp, right? 
Because, I mean, look at your hometown Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia went into training camp, and he had his damn pencil in his ear to sat backwards, and he was out there yelling and swearing at all the guys, and the guys were playing hard, and they showed up in week one, and they pissed themselves. And they showed up in week two, and they pissed themselves. So guess what? I want to know, do these guys actually buy in? Do they believe in what Dwayne Casey is selling? Do they buy him as a coach? And... Then we find out a little bit about this locker room. Was it a Stan Van Gundy issue? Or is it a player's issue? And I think that this will kind of help see where that culture is at, see how these guys respond, and if Dwayne Casey can maximize the potential of this group. Stan Van Gundy failed to do that. Dwayne Casey has to maximize the potential of this group. And if the guys buy into what he's saying, then he'll do that. So, training camp is coming, folks. The preseason is coming. Reggie Jackson, well, we, we don't we don't know what he's doing. But we do know that he hasn't been doing basketball workouts. So we will keep a close eye on that here on the podcast. We'll have a lot more to talk about with that next week. Training camp. We'll have a lot to talk about with that. We'll get an idea of what the Pistons are looking like, any news that comes out. So the fun stuff is finally about to begin. And you've hung with us through a drag of an off not drag of an off season, but I mean the month of August is a really boring month. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. It is, we, last week we talked about the Sports Illustrated Top 100. Okay. Oh, by the way, Devin Booker was ranked 31st in the league by ESPN. Sports Illustrated had him at 50. Come on. Come on. Both suck. He's a top 15 guy. Oh, oh. And the pod. And the pod. And the pod. Oh, my God. And wrap it up. Come on. Do your job. Wrap it up. <laughs> Come on. Anyways, you know the deal. At Palace of Pistons on Twitter. At Palace of Pistons on Instagram. Website's palaceofpistons.com. Check out the website. Be sure to give us a follow on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe. On Twitter, you can follow Aaron at A Johnson NBA. You can follow myself at Media Brendan. And you know Ryan couldn't join us this week, but at P A Y E underscore Ryan for his Pistons takes as well as we get ready to begin training camp next week. So we hope you enjoyed episode number thirty-one of the Palace of Pistons podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.